Opening round, there it is. I heard it. Punches and bunches. Shoe shines in the corner. Hot sauce to the ribs. When in doubt, stick it out. I said on last week's episode, that was from Buddy McGirt. Fired up because we got Buddy McGirt's fighter, Adam Blue Nose Lopez, with an interview on today's episode, talking about his fight a couple of weeks ago on top rank. Amazing. Exciting to be here. Of course, Alfonso Ruiz with Pacific Coast Boxing here with my co-host, Rick Prado. Rick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, I hope everybody's doing great out there as well, staying safe. Uh, make sure to su- subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and give us a rating. Our email address um, is counterpunch at pacificcoastboxing.com. If you have topics that you want us to get into, any questions or any feedback for us, you know, send us an email. That's right, and that's good stuff, Rick. And by the way, we were counterpunched this week. We were counterpunched asking a question, which we'll get to in a bit, about the five Young Guns top fighters. So thank you guys for the, the feedback on that. So a lot going on in the world of boxing. We're back week three. I'm going to go ahead and say a fight's being staged by top-ranked ESPN. I'm going to tell you something, Rick, before we get into what we're going to talk about on the show couple things that stood out for me this past week. So um, top rank signs David Kaminsky, 6-0, loses to Clay Collard, right? Mm-hmm. Big deal. And by the way, I hope David Kaminsky's okay. They took him to the hospital. His face looked like he was pretty touched up. Yeah. But why am I bringing up that fight out of all the fights that happened? Because it's one of the things that upsets me, and I'm going to say upsets us about boxing, right? There's only yeah, a few things. Definitely. And – one of them is the best fights are not made, right? Yeah. Best fights are not made for several reasons. The promotional is usually the, the, the biggest. Um, and then there's the alphabet soup of who's the champion. What does a super champion mean? What does a regular champion mean? And then the third is the damn judging. Yeah, okay? judging was awful in this uh... Yeah, here's what I don't get, okay? It was a six-round fight. I watched that fight. I watched it several times, okay? So David uh, uh, Clay Collard, right, kind of, I don't want to call him a journeyman, right, but he's, you know, very rough and tough fighter, brought it to David Kaminsky. Mm -hmm. So he won majority decision. Two judges, Dave Moretti and Lisa Giampa, gave him the fight four rounds to two. Sometimes people, we get confused with the points. It was basically four rounds, the two. Andre Ward, obviously, right, ringside commentator judge. He had it five to one. For whatever it's worth, Rick, I had it four to two, right? I could have given it five to one to Collard, but I gave it four to two. One judge, Patricia Morse Jarman, had it four rounds, the two for David Kaminsky. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, scratch your head on some of these ones. They, it almost seems like there's a judge there purposely to, to side with one fighter. Yeah, and we haven't talked about that, right? I know at some point we're going to talk about, you know, what are some of the worst decisions in boxing, 
right? And you know what are and there's controversial decisions. I'll give you one that you and I have debated, but I've watched the uh, Oscar De La Hoya Felix Trinidad fight. I've watched that fight four times. No kidding, volume down, watching only. It's not as lopsided and horrible decision as people may think. Okay, mm-hmm. without going down, you know, down a rabbit hole. But that fight, folks, that's what frustrates me as a boxing fan. There was no doubt that Clay Collard won that fight. Now, some folks could say, well, yeah, Alfonso, that's why there's three judges, right? Mm-hmm. And the two outweighed the one, and it was a more majority decision. It shouldn't have been a majority decision. That should have been a unanimous decision. Watch that fight, folks. If you didn't record it, maybe you can YouTube it. There's no way Kaminsky won four rounds. And, you know, sometimes you watch these fights, and you just shake your head, you know, I— you know, even when we, we go to fights, I'm like, okay, the more hype guy, he's going to get the decision, you know, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And I was a little worried about this one. You know, I even told my, my wife, you know, hey, you know, don't be surprised if the other guy wins. You know, he's the top ranked guy. He just signed. Just signed 6-0. He, and oh, Yeah. He, right. He could get the decision here. Don't, don't. Yeah. And, 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 and none of them did. Uh, Timothy Bradley, Andre Ward. Yeah. None of them had. Uh, David Kaminsky, but this one judge. And now here's the thing. There's not going to be any accountability. You're not going to go back to the judge and say, hey, can we, you know, Miss Patricia uh, Morris-Jarman, can we understand how did you put that together? How did you, you know, come out and identify four rounds going to Kaminsky? It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's just going to pretty much, hey, Collard won the fight and everybody had turned out the way it did. But no, there needs to be accountability, right? Yeah, yeah most definitely. In the professional corporate world, there would be, that's called performance, right? Mm-hmm. Performance evaluations that are not done. By the way, we're going to get into that at some point, a little bit of a teaser for what's coming up eventually. So um, COVID impacts, Rick, we were uh, impacted. You and I were like, you know, prognosticators were a crystal ball. We talked about how COVID was going to impact fights and how main events all of a sudden could disappear and the co-main event could rise up. And that happened this week. Yeah. um, It was a fight between uh, Jose Pedraza and Mikel Lespierre. And Les Pierre's manager tested positive for COVID-19. Um, they canceled the fight. Even though it wasn't the actual fighter, you know, I agree with the decision to cancel the whole thing. Uh, you never know if, you know, they were hanging around. You know, they end up going with the fight. Pedraza tests positive, you know, after going through the whole deal. Yeah, and you're going to hear uh, later on in the interview, uh, Adam Lopez really goes into some of the details about what needs to be or what they were doing. Mm-hmm. at the MGM and in the bubble. And it's really good. I got to give top rank yeah. credit. They're, they're taking, they're, they're pulling all the stops. But like we talked about, it's going to be different how fights are set up yeah. and how fights are organized and who's on the undercard, right? So all of a sudden the undercard starts to take a little bit more significance. And I know we got a little bit more about that coming up in the news, but in this case, Gabriel Flores Jr. ended up kind of stepping up mm-hmm. and, and being the, the main event fighter. So a lot going on in boxing. Okay, so here's the deal, Rick. Here's what's going on. Let me kind of set up what we're going to talk about today. We've got boxing news coming up right after this. Again, a lot going on. We'll talk a little bit more about the fights last week and other um, other very interesting events that are going around in boxing. You're going to get totally up to speed. You listen to our show in your back pocket. You'll be able to talk boxing at any level with anybody that you run into. So we've got that coming up. And then, of course, right, my, my favorite segment, Rick, I've told you I'm excited about this. We got the Adam Lopez interview talking about his fight, giving us his take. Um, what an amazing human being and an amazing fighter and a very inspirational story. Um, and then we've got 
which is going to be a, a very maybe controversial. No, maybe not controversial. We got our five best fights that we believe are very feasible. I mentioned last week that we believe are going to take place, and that's based on promotion. That's based on the money. That's based on the personality. That's based on where the location. Five fights that we believe absolutely have an opportunity to take place. Of course, we got the Rick Prado stat of the week. You guys, I know you've been putting those in your back pocket, talking as if you already knew that. And here you guys, so that's a good thing. And then, of course, uh, we'll wrap up our show and let you know what's going on for next week, which is going to be really good. So coming up next, we've got Boxing News. We'll be back here in just a second. All right, and we're back. Pacific Coast Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz with Rick Prado. Rick, before we get into boxing news, I mentioned in the intro that we were counterpunched this week, and we want to really thank uh, Upstate Hunter, who sent us an email. Again, the email address is counterpunch at pacificcoastboxing.com. Basically, he was asking us, Rick, that when we talked about the young guns and the five top fighters, we really didn't address or identify who we thought of those five was, at the end of the day, who we thought was going to be the best fighter, who was going to have, essentially, the legacy that they left behind. Almost 20, you know, if we look back. So, thank you very much for that email. So, Rick... Virgil Ortiz Jr., Ryan Garcia, Shakur Stevenson, Devin Haney, and Teofimo Lopez. Who do you got, Rick? Who of those five do you have as who's going to come out of that as being the very best fighter that we'll be talking about 20 years later as one of the greats? Uh, for me, it's it's going to be, um, you know, all of them are going to be great. But for me, the top guy for me is going to be Virgil Ortiz Jr. I just feel that... Uh, He's going to get into the fights. He's an exciting fighter. You know, he's got the power. He, he knocks people out. Um, and I think he's going to take the risks that maybe some of the other guys may or may not take. Okay. And, and I'll tell you, it's interesting because uh, you said it. You said um, you think all of them are going to be great. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that in particular. Yeah. I think today they are considered among the greatest young fighters that are presented in front of us. But... Some of them, I think the jury is still out as far as, but, but I hear you. Okay, um, I don't disagree with you. My guy, I think, is Shakur Stevenson. I think Shakur Stevenson, I think he's the most skilled. Now that, obviously, we can get hundreds of emails about that. They're all very skilled or we wouldn't be talking about them. But I think that he has the most potential. He's at featherweight. He's sitting at 126. I think he can stick around featherweight and clean up that division. And then I think he can move up to super featherweight where guys like Leo Santa Cruz and Miguel Burchelt, Jojo Diaz, Oscar Valdez are kind of hanging around. And again, and then because of his size, at some point, I can see him eventually moving up to lightweight where Lomachenko is not going to be there anymore. Teofimo Lopez, one of the top five, is probably going to move up because of his weight. So that's why I think Shakur Stevenson, I think he has the most potential to move up and kind of put several straps. Oh, yeah, de you know, definitely. I, I don't think you can go wrong with the group. You know, some, you know, their ceiling is going to be a lot higher than the, than the others. No, that's true. That's true. So there you go, Upstate Hunter. There's the response to your question. Rick has Virgil Ortiz Jr. 
I have Shakur Stevenson. Excellent question, by the way. Keep those coming because it keeps us on our toes, by the way, just like it does a fighter. A fighter gets counterpunched. You're going to have to make adjustments. So with that, we go into the boxing news of the week, or at least since we last spoke. So what's going on, Rick? Yeah, uh, in the boxing news, you know, I wanted to touch on the uh, some of the top rank results. Um, you know, a great week of boxing, you know, from, from top rank and ESPN. Uh, Magic Mike Plania won a 10-round majority decision over Josh Knight-Knight Greer Jr. Uh, he floored Greer Jr. twice in the, in the first and then the sixth. And for those of you that don't know, you know, Greer Jr. is the one, the guy that comes out with the pillow that says Knight-Knight on it. And, um, you know, he lost in an upset. Yeah, I saw that. And, uh, yeah, and that's interesting, right? Always the big – I never liked that, by the way, yeah. but at the same time, that's fine. That's who he is, yeah. and I think that we need personalities in boxing, and we'll touch on that a little bit also on how we're, you know, maybe losing out to the UFC, which we like as yeah. well, but but we're boxing nuts. But yeah. um, And you, you definitely – boxing needs the characters. You know, yeah. characters bring mm-hmm. more fans. You know, people watch. Um the other the Thursday night, uh, Gabriel Flores cruised to a unanimous decision over Josec Ruiz. Um, for this fight, you know it was it was kind of uh, one sided. Um, but what I do like about the top rank fights is in between fights, you know they've got to clean the ring, they've got you know some time to kill, and they go into the backstories of a lot of these fighters. Yeah, and. This is part of why I like the Contender Series. You find out about the fighters. You find out information that you really, most of the time you wouldn't have unless you actually researched it on your own. So ESPN is doing a good job of letting us know these fighters before the fights. I, and you know what? And I totally agree. And I think obviously we've talked about that's part of the reason why we love doing this show, right? Mm-hmm. We've got Adam Lopez uh, coming up on an interview um, a little bit later. And then we talked to Lacero, uh last week. But I, I agree with you, right? We're getting a little bit more of an insight. And I tell you, I love these Tuesday, Thursday night fights. It reminds me of the Tuesday night fights that used to air on USA yeah. with Sean O'Grady and L. Albert. That took place between 1982 and 1998. And that's when I told you I was completely hooked on boxing. Maybe while other folks were watching Happy Days or whatever it was on on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. I was watching boxing. I don't know if you remember, but Sean O'Grady used to have that catchphrase. And here's what's coming up tonight. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. always the big deal, man. So, yeah. I, I mean, like, it's exciting to have these fights. And like you said, to be able to showcase the individuals. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of, it's, it's all about opportunity. You know, a lot of these fighters may never have gotten on TV. You don't have the coronavirus, you know, going on. You know, never would they ever be on TV. And now you're getting backstories on a lot of these guys. And, you know, hopefully they take this opportunity and run with it. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, too, right? The other thing, and I mentioned in the intro when I talk about, you know, when in doubt, stick it out. You know, again, you know, maybe for the casual boxing fan, it's not necessarily working. But for us, I love hearing the the corner, which mm-hmm. is now trimmed down, right, from like 32 corner men down to two. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that that's working a lot better. I'm able to hear the instructions, right? Mm-hmm. I always think too, but so's the other side, right? Which yeah. is kind of funny. But and I also love hearing the punches. I mentioned earlier the uh, the David uh, Kaminsky and Clay Collard fight. I mean, you can hear these guys getting hit. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's the same as being there live, 
but man, it's getting pretty close, right? Yeah, no, you know, they, they, they're doing a great job of bringing the action uh, to us. No, that's a great point because it's, again, this is from a boxing, you know, purist. Obviously, we're here hosting mm-hmm. our, our podcast, Pacific Coast Boxing. But, I, I, you know, how do you, I'm just wondering, like, how do you bring back when the fans come back, right? Mm-hmm. I can't hear the net. I can't hear the cornerman anymore. Yeah. I can't hear the punches being landed. Right? Yeah. I don't know, man. Like part of this, I'm enjoying. Yeah. No. No. It's, it's <laughs> definitely great to see. Um, we'll get into it. Um, you know, the contrast between the top rank Las Vegas fights and the Mexico City ones that they were showing. Yeah. Uh, as well, um, Emmanuel Navarrete, he won by a six round knockout. Um, in this fight. You know, it was a kind of one-sided fight. The one guy was 13 and 13. Um, what I did like about the telecast was the ref was wearing the ref cam. So when a fighter got knocked down, you could see what the referee sees. You yeah. can see the, the boxer's eyes. You can see, is this guy, is he done? What is he looking at when he calls that fight? And, and again, right, like I was saying earlier, and in in I agree with you, is just like I said, the sound, right? sound is better i can hear the trainers i can hear the punches being landed and i can see the view from the referee which and maybe all that you know that's being added right to kind of give the viewer more the feel of it i agree like that that almost like now that we see it it's a hello like why weren't we doing that the whole time yeah yeah um one thing i thought was a little weird was the fighters are coming down the aisle towards the ring and they were still wearing their masks Mm -hmm. they came into the ring and you know i think uh even for the uh, the handshake, you know, mm-hmm. they're they still have their mask, you know, and then. Well, it, it, but that you know probably had to do because there was more personnel, right? When they uh-huh. were doing the handshake, maybe not the walk down, but yeah. the referee was there, the trainer, quarterman, at the distance. I, yeah, yeah, I mean that whole thing, and that's going to be for a while. If you watched any golf this weekend, I'm yeah. a huge golf fan. You know, they're giving the air fives, the air everything. Yeah. So. And they did have, um, you know, the commentators were actually on site. You could see them up, um, you know, a little bit past where the crowd would be. You know, Julio Cesar Chavez was there, you know, calling the fight. But I'm going to tell you something, though, um, is that the top rank, the ASPM uh, announcers, they're doing a pretty dang good job. Yeah, from Because home. I don't, yeah, I don't get the feeling that they're not ringside. Yeah. So kudos to all of them. I'm going to call out because they're fighters, Timothy Bradley and Andre Ward. They're doing a great job. Oh no! Right, like I don't get the feeling as I'm watching the fight, like oh these guys are not there. They're not. They're not missing anything. And the thing is, I would assume that they're watching the same feed that we are, unless they've got different camera angles, Mm -hmm. which is entirely possible. But still, they're watching a monitor just like we are. And I don't get the feeling that that's the case. So it's almost like I feel better because okay, hey man, you're watching the same thing we are. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, definitely. Um, Also, we'll get into what's coming up next week. Uh, with the top with top rank, uh, Andrew Maloney versus Joshua Franco, and this is a top rank uh, boxer and Andrew Maloney going up against a Golden Boy, and this is the first fight since the coronavirus. The WBA super flyweight title will be on the line. Um, what do you think? I think that the fact that it's a WBA super flyweight championship, you know, I mentioned earlier some of the things that we don't like about boxing, right? And that we're going to address, and I'll give everybody a sneak peek. That's going to be what we're going to talk about next week. I'm going to tell you exactly, along with Rick Prado, how to fix boxing. And it will fix boxing. But the judging um, is one. 
right? The alphabet soup of championships, which is this one here, and then fights not being made. But that that's one of them, Rick. I would challenge anybody out there, even the, the diehard boxing fans, to tell us what's the difference between the WBA super uh, championship and a regular championship and WBA gold. Yeah. Um, What's the difference between the, I know the difference between those yeah. three, but that's that's my job. That's yeah. my business. But who else knows that? And that's why we lose fans and we don't have, because I'm going to tell you something. This is why I'm not a big soccer fan, by the yeah. way. Right? I like soccer. I watch it probably more in the World Cup every four years. But I don't know which league is the best. Okay? Yeah. Is it the European League? Is it the, I lived in Japan for quite a while. In Japan, they had the J League. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Mexican has their league. I know the, I mean, See what I'm saying? Yeah. No, who, yeah. Who do you follow? Who's the best? And then we have our own here in the United States, and it seems like we get all of the, you know, the guys that are toward the end of their career. Oh, in boxing, we would get like the journeymen right after they've won their titles. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this. The alphabet soup. We don't know how do you how do you start to follow boxing to become a fan if you don't even know who's the best, who's the champion. Yeah. Friend of mine, right? Asked me the other day, hey, you know, I know you're a big box. Who's the champion and, you know, who's the middleweight champion? And there's eight of them. Right. Yeah. And middleweight maybe is a bad question because yeah. pro- everybody would probably agree it's Canelo. Yeah. But, yeah, who's the lightweight champion? But yeah. then, you know, Canelo's fighting at 168. He's fighting at 175. Exactly. You know, so that's exactly yeah. right. He won the light, you know, heavyweight championship. So where is he? And that's what's tough. It's like, well, there's several champions where there used to be the six original divisions. <sighs> Yeah. So anyway, sorry yeah. we digress, but okay, <laughs> fine. So Andrew Maloney is fighting uh, Franco, you said, right? Yeah. Uh, so that'll be Tuesday. But it's for a strap, so we'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. First one. We'll take it. Where the, you know they can actually get their commission in there to to supervise that. Fight. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, on Thursday, Jason Maloney, the twin brother of Andrew, fights. Yeah. You know, in the main yeah. event against uh, Leonardo Baez. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I'm waiting for. You know, just because I, I like one of my favorite fighters right now. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, Miguel Burchelt from Mexico City. Oh, yeah. Fights against Alexander Valenzuela. Yeah. And Valenzuela, you know, 21, 13, and 4. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been knocked out in his last two fights. Yeah. So I don't expect this one to go very long. Yeah, we know what's going to happen, but yeah. that's fine. But that's right? fine. You know, this is, this is the tune-up to get to the fight that, you know, we want to see for Burchell. Which is one of the fights that we're going to talk about when yeah. we talk about five fights that we believe are very feasible. He's in it. Miguel Burchell made it. We saw Miguel Burchell, right, fight mm-hmm. a couple of times. Big one at the Fantasy Springs when he won the championship. And, and when he fought Mira at the um, at the Forum. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. And, of course, when he beat uh, Francisco Vargas. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Um, love Francisco Vargas, a warrior, but damn, what fights. Probably yeah. one of the better fight cards Oh no, that yeah. we saw at the Most Fantasy definitely. Springs. That was amazing. Yeah. And here's the thing. We get it, but at some point, and this is why we're talking about our, our, our one of our segments today is going to be in the five fights. Boxing has to step up, right? We get it. Right, we're boxing purists. Great, we got to see Shakur Stevenson, world class fighter, who I said is going to have the better legacy of all of these young guys. But the fight was determined before the fight was made, right? We knew he yeah. was going to win, very non risk. Okay, yeah. one of the things why I love about Adam Lopez, and he's we're going to talk about on that in the interview how boxing, you know, there's a lot of politics you have to navigate very carefully, and he mm-hmm. fights anybody, but it also can cost you. Um, so that that's going to be interesting. Yeah, we love Miguel Burchell. Yeah. Excellent. Um, the It'll other thing fun. is Thompson Boxing is going to come out with a three-bout three pay-per-view card 
from the Omega Products International Event Center in Corona. You know, another one of our favorite hangouts. Which we've been to and we <laughs> attend all the time and we love actually to attend those fights. Great venue, by the way, <laughs> folks. If you're in Southern California, I'm telling you right now, right? It's right off the 91 and the 15, just south of the south of the 91. If and when, when they open it up to fans, make it there. Yeah. Amazing place to watch fights. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, and th this one's headlined by Michael Dutchover. He fights Jorge Marone Jr. Um, but it's a pay-per-view. But they are only charging six bucks, and and we're gonna watch it. But what do you think about them charging? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's uh I think it's a stretch, right? Yeah. But I understand they don't really have a network to to show their fights, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're not in. They're not in cahoots with, with, with ESPN, Fox, The Zone, or anything yeah. else, right? So if you're Thompson, they used to actually show them on Facebook. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to find out why they're not streaming it there, you know, live. But yeah. I get it, right? There's there's some, um, uh, you know, the, the monetary loss of not having uh, regular fans or live fines at the gate, right? Mm -hmm. All the concessions and all that. So I get that, right? Yeah. It's probably part of it or the you whole financial find a way equation. To pay all these guys, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I get it, and and you know, hey, here's the thing. Okay, uh, that being said, six bucks is not all that much, no. right? I would say most everybody now streams things. I mean, you know, who doesn't watch Netflix, Ozark, whatever yeah. you guys watch? You're watching it streaming anyways. So what's the difference? It comes in high quality. You pay six bucks. Only thing I would say, and don't get me uh, wrong, you know, Michael uh, Dutchover, a good fighter, right? Mm -hmm. One of their guys, I mean, uh, Ruben Villa comes out of Thompson Boxing, yeah. right? So does Danny Roman. They got a lot of good fighters in that stable. But the reality is that most regular fans are probably not going to pay the six bucks. Yeah, no, they're just not. You know, I we won't really find out, but it'd be interesting to find out how many people actually bought this. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And again, I, you know, we're talking about it partly. If you're listening, you know, Thompson Promotions, we love boxing. We're boxing fans, so we're hoping that you get, mm -hmm. you know, a pretty large turnout. Yeah. To to watch that, so good and, stuff. And we're gonna order it. So absolutely, yeah. of course we are. Um, yeah, I think uh, Golden Boy, um, Virgil Ortiz Jr. against Samuel Vargas, July twenty fourth at the Fantasy Springs, another great venue. Yeah. That's going to be good. Your guy, you're uh, 20 years from now, best uh, best young fighter, best legacy of everybody. Yeah, um, going to be a good fight. Um, Samuel Vargas, you know, it's a it's a fight he should win. He's fought Luis Calazo, Amir Khan, Danny Garcia, Earl Spence Jr. Lost to them all, but I guess you just want to compare yourself to what Virgil Ortiz Jr. does against this guy as compared to those guys. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's uh, yeah, it's a name. He's got quite a few fighters on the on the resume. A, a, another fight, though, right? Like I just mentioned, yeah. we expect Virgil Ortiz to come out of that with the W. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm gonna say it again. That's why we have in our segment five fights, and we have more than five, but we just go, we just narrowed it down to the five. But it's time for boxing really to start stepping it up. Yeah. Um, because there was there was even some some information coming back from UFC mm -hmm. and and some of the ratings and how they did Saturday, right? Yeah. Um they were saying um I think Dana White came out and said that um you know, UFC just kicked the butts of uh boxing. I, I think a lot of it had to do with ESPN you know, where they're showing fights and there's definitely an A side, and they're fighting, you know, the T side boxer. You yeah. know, they, 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 these yeah. are 
mismatches from the get-go. Um, so people aren't sticking around, you know, to watch that. Um, UFC, you know, it's you've got the sixth-ranked guy against the seventh-ranked guy. The gap is not as big as... Right. They're more competitive, right? Yeah. They're more competitive, and the folks that know and understand UFC, they're more mm-hmm. apt to watch that fight. Yeah. And I get that, and I don't blame... And again, that's why... Boxing needs to start putting together more competitive fights now, right? We get it. Boxing's coming back. We were out. The whole COVID, there was a pause button hit. But like I said earlier, we get, you know, Shakur Stevenson overwhelming and Emmanuel Navarrete overwhelming. And let's be honest, Miguel Burchalt yeah. is going to win that fight. Gabriel Flores Jr., right? Uh, you saw that He's during the fight. fight. Yeah, somebody put a $180,000 bet to win 4000 Yeah, right? which is it's ridiculous, makes no sense. But, right. you know, that's... 4,000 he knew he was going to get. Right. Now, there yeah. was an upset, but not at that level, yeah. right? Not no. at that level, and he's not going to lose. So I, I, I get it. I get it. Nobody, again, you know, we're talking about the passionate boxing fan, the purist, guys like ourselves. We're going to watch. We don't care. Mm-hmm. But then you go a little bit, not you know, a couple notches the other way, and it's like there's some box. They're not going to watch those fights. Yeah. I talk to folks. Not everybody's watching Tuesday, Thursday. We're, we're, if we're not watching them, we're recording them, but that's not everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the passionate boxing fans, you know, they're going to watch these, but this is kind of like the appetizer. You know, mm-hmm. I think we, we're going to get into later in the year, there's going to be the, the fights that we want to see. Once we get in the, into 2021, I think it's going to be the fights we really want to see. Well, you know how when we're watching uh, like a fireworks show at, uh, at Dodger Stadium or something, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, at the very end, yeah. right? To give that last flurry, the boom, 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 boom. Yeah. That's kind of what we're hoping for, right? Yeah. We're hoping for that last flurry when you get excited, right? And they're playing the music. That's what we're hoping is going to happen with boxing. As we, I say end the year, but here we are already in June, right? So we've only got six months left. Christmas is always that deal. It's the holidays. The Japanese always have the New Year's championship fight that they have every single year. Hopefully we can count on that. So there's really only like five months left. Yeah. When you talk about, right? And then there's weekends that are done. The Thanksgiving, there's traditionally not a big fight around Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. So you start to remove some of these weekends, and we're starting to run out. But we've got the fights that we know are absolutely doable and that we believe are going to be made. Yeah. yeah All right. We'll get into those. Uh, one more thing, probably the biggest news of, of the day. Yeah. You know, just just breaking. Yes. This is you big. Know, this is big. This is big. Cobra Kai has yes. been picked up by Netflix oh, to be wow. screened. Wow. You know, that's going to be three something. seasons. Wow. You know, Daniel Sun is back. Wow. No kidding. That's something else. There you go, folks. You heard it right here first. That is huge. Okay. Now I can start actually watching and getting my fix. Uh, believe it or not, I'm still not done with season three of Ozark. Okay. <laughs> so nobody email me and tell me, you know, don't be a spoiler. But there you go, Rick. Only here are we going to get that sort of breaking news. Yeah. Excellent. And that's your news for the week. Rick, thank you very much. Fans, coming up next, the interview that you've all been waiting for. Big buzz talking about Adam Lopez, Adam Blue Nose Lopez, talking about his win a few weeks ago against Louis Correa, which I have as personally the candidate for fight of the year. Yes, maybe I'm a little biased because I absolutely appreciate his boxing style and the back and forth. Folks, we'll be back in just a minute with that interview. A few seconds, actually. All right. 
And we're back. Alfonso Ruiz with Pacific Coast Boxing. And I got to tell you, boxing fans out there, I feel like I'm a little kid at Christmas because I'm so excited, so stoked to have on the line with us recently crowned NABF featherweight champion, Adam Blue Nose Lopez. I can't believe it. Adam, how are you doing, brother? Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. So before we start getting into the fight and a lot of stuff, how are you feeling? I mean, it was a pleasure to watch as a fight fan, but there's got to be some recovery from a fight like that. Uh, I'm doing a lot better now. Uh, the first few days were pretty tough. I was in bed, but um, I'm up and moving, doing my thing, and uh, I'm doing a lot better. Healed up pretty quick. Good deal. And I got to tell you, right, not only thanks for joining the show, but I know I'm speaking for like all diehard boxing fans out there. Thank you for that performance. Even though boxing officially came back like on a national scale last Tuesday, they may have put a fight card on Tuesday, but boxing started on Thursday with your fight with Louis <laughs> Korea, man. You know what I'm saying? Thank, thank you for you, that man. performance. And I'll tell you, and thank you also, right? No disrespect to Louis Korea for being a willing a willing dance partner in that in that fight. I mean, he was a warrior as well, right? Yeah, you know, he he was part of the fight as well. He uh, he put on a great show. He's a he's a tough warrior as well, and you know, I couldn't have done it without him. Now, l let me ask you something because I read a lot about the different logistics and the hoops that you guys had to jump through, going through that. Not having fans is probably not as big a deal because I know when you guys are starting out, you're fighting everywhere. You're fighting in clubs and hotels and bar rooms. Um, from the fan perspective on TV, it's probably a little different. We get to hear Buddy McGirt tell you everything. When in doubt, stick it out. Like, that's a new one that, that I learned, right? But t t tell me about all the preparation that they had you guys do in that MGM bubble, like giving you a bucket and a jump rope. How was all that? That had to be different. Yeah, you know, they were very strict with the rules. Um, it's just rules we had to follow to to let the show go on. You know, the commission had a lot of strict rules. Um, they they cleared out the 12th floor at the MGM for all the fighters and the coaches and the officials and everybody part of the show. They had to uh, basically quarantine the 12th floor. Um, <clears throat> the day we get there, you got to take a COVID test. And then once you take the test, you got to be in your room for 10 hours. You can't leave your room. Till you get the results then once you get the results i mean you really can't do much anyways mm -hmm. um everything is set at the convention center so we go through a private elevator from the 12th floor through the back of the mgm to the convention center at the convention center they have the cafeteria where you could eat and they have a gym that you are scheduled to use you can't use whenever you want you're on a schedule they give you a, a i think an hour and a half and then once you finish training, they got a team going there. They sanitize the whole gym, ready for the next fighter. So it's, you know, it's kind of weird at first. You got to follow the rules. But um, once, once, you, once you get used to it, it's pretty easy. I mean, you, you got, you're in your room most of the time and um, staying off your feet. But that's what you should be doing before a fight anyways. Yeah, certainly. And you, you think about it, we were talking about on the show last week about how that all has to change because boxing obviously is an individual sport. I mean, other team sports, obviously, if the you know Dodgers are missing Clayton Kershaw, et cetera, but there's a 25-man roster. Boxing, you get a main eventer, you get any fighter that's out, it completely impacts that fight, right? So the boxing, it's almost like you got to go to the extreme to make sure that you guys are safe, right? 
Yeah, definitely. You know, they they were very strict with it. They made sure they made sure that all of us, you know, were following the rules and no one got exposed. And uh, actually, one of the fighters, Michaela Mayer, tested positive. And That's right. They had to remove her from the from that hotel, and they took her somewhere else. But uh, she was fine. She didn't feel no symptoms. Um, she was just carrying the carrying the the COVID virus. But yeah, that's right. I, I you think, know, it's just protocol. Yeah, I think there was even a trainer from another fighter that I think was came in close contact with her. Right, that didn't even have COVID that they had to remove as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. None of her coaches had it, but um, yeah, it was just—it was a little strange. It, interesting, and you know what's what's more interesting? Like I said, you know, the when fighters are starting out, you know, you're not necessarily always fighting in front of five, ten thousand fans. But man, can you imagine if you guys had fans for that fight? They would have been going nuts, brother, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was a war. It was definitely a back and forth fight. The fans loved it. I'm sure if, if the arena was full, it would have been a very loud back-and-forth fight between the fans. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, talking about the fight and the details, I thought that, you know, Korea, um, if I was scoring right, he probably came out a little stronger in the first round, maybe second, but it was really about the third round when you started to, you know, when in doubt, stick it out. You started really using that. And, by the way, what a beautiful jab that is, man. Straight, Thank clean, you, crisp. Once you started using the jab, and then you even turned it around southpaw, by the way, like, oh, by the way, I can do this with my right hand as well. I think that's <laughs> when you really started taking control of the fight. Just curious, at the same time, right, at times you were in the trenches, turning it into a war. Um, you know, you looking back, right, probably would have liked to have boxed a lot more. Either way, you came out with a victory, but it really was that jab in the third round from what I can see that started uh, dominating the fight for you. Yeah, the first two rounds, uh, I was fighting his fight. I sat inside a little bit. I was trading with him. Um, I felt like I was a little stronger than him inside. I think that's what got me to stay in there. I landed some clean body shots. and I heard the wind come out of him when I landed him. Oh, wow. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to take these rounds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to take the wind out of him. I see he's coming out hot. But um, going into the second, I realized, okay, I was like, okay, he's in good shape. He's not slowing down. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking a lot of damage in here trying to land these body shots. Let me take a different approach and get back outside and use my, my boxing abilities. And, um, you know, thank God I could do a little bit of everything. So I had both tools in the bag, and uh, yeah, so I, I started giving him a little bit more space, letting him run him into my jab, and uh, just use my boxing IQ. That was it was beautiful. I mean, literally, and you've got it posted on your Instagram page. There's literally like four punch combinations that you were landing. I mean, just I mean, if you love boxing, it's a thing of beauty. Probably if you're not Louis Korea, but on the other side, it was just a, a beauty <laughs> beauty to watch. <laughs> Yeah, he's a tough kid. You know, he can take a punch and he can give a punch, and uh, he's got heart. You know, he's got grit. He's definitely gonna, he's definitely gonna get some big opportunities from that show. No, for sure. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about, uh, they, they, they quoted you as saying uh, the pre-fight interview, talking about that you can't be afraid to lose. And I thought, that, and again, with all due respect to Andre Ward, great fighter, great champion. I thought he, he took your comment out of context. He talked about, he almost said like he didn't necessarily agree that he's never okay, okay with losing. And I'm sitting there saying that's not what Adam is saying. What Adam is saying is he, you can't be afraid to put yourself in a position where the outcome is predetermined, like in fighting tomato cans. In other words, you can't be afraid to take risks. That's what I think you were trying yeah. to say. Am, am I right? I think, um, yeah, what I, what I was saying is you can't be afraid to, to challenge yourself 
something bigger than than what people think you're capable of. You know, like the Oscar Valdez fight. People sure. thought Oscar was gonna walk through me, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna take this challenge. Sure. And I believe in my own, my own abilities that I'm gonna beat this guy. And you know, the fight went how the fight went, but um, I took the challenge and I I walked out a better man. You know, I walked out with a bigger name. And, um, you know, it opened up so many opportunities for me. Absolutely. Now, tell me, where, where does that mindset come from, Adam? Where does that that mindset of saying, because there's a lot of fighters in your in your uh, position, and if you look at your career, um, I could even go to your ninth fight against Stephen Fulton, right, where a lot of fighters probably don't take that that early. And then, of course, like you said, Oscar Valdez, opportunity for greatness. Where does that mindset come from? Um, yeah, my first 10 fights, I fought six undefeated opponents. Um Going into the pros, I knew I was going to have to make some noise that way because I didn't have a big amateur background. But I think it just comes from my father, you know. As a young kid, he always sprinkled it in, sprinkled it on, over me and my brother just to believe in ourselves and believe that we, we can achieve anything, you know. He, he taught us that your mind is more powerful than your body, and if you believe it, you can do it. You can achieve whatever you put your mind through. And it's just something that stuck with me, and I, I've been working on it since. That's amazing because it's one thing to be told it, right? It's one thing to be given advice, but it's another thing to actually practice it and put it into action. And and, and in case, folks, again, I'm t- we're talking to diehard boxing fans that probably know, but the other reason why I was so excited to be on here is that we're essentially from the same uh, backyard Adam and his father, Hector, the great Hector Lopez, the great Hector El Torero Lopez, fought out of Glendale, California. I was born and raised in Atwater, which is right by Glendale. I had the opportunity to see Adam's father fight uh, several times, actually. He won the Strohs Featherweight Championship at the Forum in 87, and then I was on vacation and got to see him fight against Miguel Angel Gonzalez, for the WBC lightweight championship in Mexico in a bull ring of all things, which by the way, that fight takes place in LA at the forum. It's a much different story because your dad was getting the better of Miguel Angel. But just in case to provide context, your dad, heck of a fighter, heck of a role model for us growing up in that area, Adam. Thank you, man. Yeah. My dad definitely paved the way for, for a lot of fighters. And uh, he, like, he, like you said, he showed, that uh, you you can come for anywhere, any any circumstance, any situation you you you're raised in, you can make it out of. Hundred percent agree. So let me ask you something. I'm going to move around just a little bit during the COVID, and and I meant to ask you when you're going through logistics. Um, any anything new? And any new uh, any any new hobby that Adam Lopez picked up during COVID? As I go to Home Depot and there the bird feeders are gone and all the pots and plants are gone. Anything you picked up? <laughs> um, you know. I stayed at the gym for some time just to just to be safe. Um, you know, I just tried to stay busy at my house. Um, I have a big uh, German Shepherd, so I enrolled him into some training courses. So oh, nice. I was at the park just about every day teaching him new things. He's about a, a little over a year now, so um, but he's a big dog. So like, I just wanted to you know get him sharp and teach him how to you know just be a little bit more obedient, and it's, it's paid off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm at the, at the park just about every day with him. I take him around different dog parks, beaches, hikes, whatever the case is. So he keeps me busy. You know, I, I can't stay home much. Um, I mean, when I am home, I'll just you know, hang out, watch movies. I'll play video games. Um, yeah, I try to, you know, keep, keep things simple and uh, just enjoy the little things. No, very nice. And by the way, um, there's videos posted if uh, folks listening uh, want to check out 
uh, Adam and his German Shepherd, right? You could check that out. You've posted a few of those at Blue Nose Lopez on Instagram. I was checking that out as well. I've act- I actually have, by the way. I have a German Shepherd uh, and I have a Blue Nose Pit Bull uh, here on my okay, here cool. here on my property. And by the way, you're doing the right thing because the most I could ever get my dogs to do is sit, and that's about the extent of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know they're smart dogs, but they they could be stubborn as well. You gotta you gotta really work with them early on. Absolutely. So Adam, let's talk about moving forward. Okay, you look at the you look at the featherweight division. What's next? Because I know you. I know I believe. By the way, I look at the featherweight division and I see a lot of fighters that, quite honestly, I would not without disrespect to any of them, but like we've talked about and like you mentioned, so eloquently is you took on a lot of tough fights early in your career you don't take the Valdez fight you don't take the Stephen Fulton you could easily be sitting at 16 17 and 0 I see guys here whether it's you know Ruben Villa Ryan Walsh um, you know Anselmo Moreno my opinion maybe I'm being biased again but I believe that you can compete with any of those guys yeah you know I I believe anybody in the top 10 uh, I could beat in my opinion, um, you know, it's just the business side. I know how the business works. Um, I got, I got to get my name up there. I got to get ranked. Um, you know, it's it's just boxing. These guys, they haven't fought the type of fights I've fought, but they they're ranked. You know, they haven't lost. Um, I, that might be the case. You know, it might be the case with their promoter, their manager, whoever it is. Sure. The boxing is very political. Um, and I'm learning on the job. I'm learning the boxing business side and. Early on, I didn't know much about it. I just thought I could fight anybody, and if I beat them, then I'll just keep moving up. But it's so much more than that. There's, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, and that's what I'm learning now. And now that I'm with top ranks, now that i got a solid management team, um, we're on our way. You know, we're, we're picking and choosing. Our, every step is very important. Every fight's important. Every, everything we do is now there's, there's got to be a meaning behind it. And um, that's just... The, the way it's got to be to to make it to that that superstar level and i think you're smart for doing that because even though there's like a there, there's a balancing that you have to do right you absolutely want to risk in order to establish that legacy of being a great fighter but a boxer's career is also very short-lived and you have to navigate it carefully as you go through your fights correct yeah you know you want to take those risks but you want those risks to be worth it you know the, the payday's got to be good um, the exposure got to be there. You got you got to have promotion behind the fight. Um, you know it's got to be you know for a title or whatever the case is. It, it's just it's, everything's got to make sense. You know you can't just take tough fights for no reason. They they got to make sense. I totally agree. And here's the thing, Adam, from my perspective and where I'm sitting, and maybe I'm biased because of where I come from and and, and my history with knowing boxing, with your boxing pedigree of your dad, the great Hector Lopez, with your focus and your desire, I have no doubt that you're going to accomplish a lot of great things, especially where you're at. And I just wanted to thank you so much for joining Pacific Coast Boxing. Again, I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Uh, if you want more information on him, I know they can go to your Instagram page, Blue Nose Lopez. You also got a really cool link for some clothes. I'm definitely going to go there and order some. It's pretty cool stuff. Any other way, if you want to let fans know uh, how to reach you on social media, Adam? Uh, no, Instagram is the most that I use. I'm very active on Instagram. So, yeah, you can check me out on there, Blue Nose Lopez. Hit me up. Ask me any questions you want. Uh, keep up with my training and the next fight.
Excellent. Adam, again, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Appreciate. We'll be following your career, and hopefully we can have you back on as you start winning and gaining more belts and straps uh, for you at home, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. So if it goes boxing here, back Alfonso Ruiz with Rick Prado, and you just heard NABF featherweight champion Adam Lopez. Rick, I tell you, I told you going into that interview that I felt like a kid in a candy store. You know, I, I could have continued to talk more, honestly, about his dad, Hector El Torero Lopez, and his legacy um, and all of the impact that he had. And quite honestly, we could have went on there for another hour, but what an amazing story, what an amazing fighter, what an amazing performance he gave us against Louis Correa and really looked for big things. For you know, We need more Adam Lopez's in boxing, right? No, yeah, definitely. You know, he's got a great story. You know, uh, he gets that Oscar Valdez fight um, on two days' notice. You know, does great in that fight. You know, in a losing effort, but he got his name out there um, in this next fight, you know, could be fight of the year, you know, and it's on ESPN. Everybody saw it, you know, great story, great interview. Yeah, and and, and, uh, and very humble, right? I mean, he mentioned it. He mentioned his mindset is what drives him. He also touched upon, though, right, uh, the boxing and the politics, and you got to be very careful how you navigate your boxing career. But nevertheless, there is a lot of fighters that, don't take that Oscar Valdez fight. They just won't because it's too much of a risk. And here he goes, takes the fight, and then in round number two, drops Valdez with a beautiful left. Yeah. All of a sudden, and just and by the way, that's one of those fights where, you know, the proverbial, you know, you he won as much by losing, right? And and he did. Nobody yeah. nobody looked at Adam Lopez coming out of the fight as a loser. He gained respect and he gained the appreciation. But a lot of fighters don't take that fight, Rick. They just don't. No, yeah, and you know, a lot of a lot of fighters they won't take that risk. Um, but you know, that's what makes them special. And I'll tell you, you know, when I, when I look at the featherweight division, and, and again, I appreciate it, right? We're not going to you know just put fighters down, but I mean, I look at all the four divisions and I look at the top fifteen, right? Isaac Lowe, you know, Ruben Villa, Andani, you know, Gago. I mean, Julio Ceja. I'm sorry, but Adam Lopez deserves to be in the top 10. If not, you know, he's not only knocking on the door, he's he's busted the door down. Give him a fight in the top 10. No, yeah, definitely. And I, I think he'll get one, you know, in, in the next couple of months. Especially now, right? He's with Buddy McGirt. He's with Top Rank, ESPN. He's in a good space. He's in the right lane. So nothing but good things to come. So once again, thank you very much, Adam Lopez, for joining Pacifico's Boxing amazing experience for us and hopefully good information for you guys the fans and we'll be right back okay pacific ghost boxing alfonso ruiz and rick prado and we are back for what is fast becoming the favorite segment rick the stat of the week what do we got Okay, uh, the youngest world champion ever was Wilfred Benitez. He captured the WBC lightweight world title from Antonio Cervantes at just 17 years of age. 17. 17. And uh, when was that? That had to be in the mid-70s or something. 1976. 
1976, 17 years old. Wow. Think about that. What were uh, what were you doing at 17? Uh, you know, still in high school, junior in high school. Yeah, you weren't winning world championships, right? Yeah, no. That's for sure. Neither was I. Yeah. Neither was I. And and uh, the gentleman they fought, Cervantes. 30-year-old right? Colombian? 30-year-old. So think about that, right? 17-year-old kicking a 30-year-old's ass. Yeah. Right? For the first, and that was the WBC strap? Mm-hmm. Wow. 17 years old. Could you imagine? I, you know, I couldn't again. I, I get no, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't because the discipline that he had to have at 17 years old, right, heading into that fight to win that first championship. And then, of course, Wilfredo Benitez went on to fight Sugar Ray. He went on to win the welterweight mm-hmm. uh, championship, which, of course, he lost to Sugar Ray Leonard in the fight that I've told everybody was the fight that got me first started. That was in 1979. Stopped in the 15th round with six seconds left, by the way. But Leonard was going to win that fight, so that was not a was not a Meldrick Taylor, Julio Cesar Chavez controversy by any stretch. And then, of course, we got the brawl in Montreal after that when he yeah. lost it to Roberto Duran. See how we connect the dots? There you go. Rick, good stat of the week, 17 years old. Folks, not sure what you d- did or accomplished at 17, but Wilfredo Benitez was winning a world championship, lightweight. All right. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Pacific Coast Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz with Rick Prado. I've been waiting to talk about this all week, Rick. The five fights, and we've even been mentioning it here during this episode, the five fights that we believe not only are feasible but are very practical given the criteria that we've identified. And here's the criteria, just to make sure that, just the level set, as we say in the business world. Number one, the promotional factor, which promotion they come from. Number two, the location, where, where does the fight need to take place? Uh, two, the money, kind of who's the A side, who's the B side, are they willing to, or can they negotiate the money? And then the last, which is probably just as not more important than the promotion, is their personality. Are they willing to take the risk and lay it out there and fight who we would like for them to fight, Rick? No, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, these five fights, you know, are all fighters that, um, you know, willing to fight everybody. Um, which one did you want to get into first? Okay, so here we go. So we got five fights again, right? So in no particular order, we're going to talk about the fights. I'm going to tell you why they're possible. And then we're also going to talk about who wins each fight. And at the end, when we're done, we're going to talk about if the fights are made, who has the opportunity, which fight has the opportunity to be considered um, one of the greatest fights. Okay, when we talk about the greatest fights, the Hagler, the Hearns, the, the Duran, the Leonard, I mean, all of the Gaudis, the Wards, which ones of these has the opportunity to be some of the very best? That, that can't miss fight. That's exactly right. The one that we're going to look back and say, dang, that was one hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. All right, so here we go. Fight number one, Rick, in no particular order, is Oscar Valdez and Miguel Burchelt. So let's talk about, first of all, the... And here's the interesting thing. As we look through these, most of these fighters ended up being on the same promotional company, which yeah. unfortunately is really important. Both top-ranked fighters. Yeah, and I think um, 
you know, unfortunately, yeah, they, they do have to be in the same promotion. Um, I feel a lot of times, you know, we'll get into this next week, but the promotion, win or lose, you know, they want to win. Yeah, and you know, when we talk about the promotions, by the way, there's several, but the big ones that have, that seemingly have the best fighters to date, Top Rank, PBC, Matchroom, and Golden Boy. From a television network perspective that they are in cahoots with, Top Rank, of course, is on ESPN. Thank you, Top Rank, for delivering boxing shows every Tuesday and Thursday. PBC is on Fox and Showtime. Matchroom and Golden Boy are on DAZN. So the natural pairings are Matchroom and Golden Boy, which we've seen several fights between them. We saw, we've seen several Golden Boy top rank. In fact, the fight that you alluded to with, alluded to with Andrew Maloney and Franco is a top rank and Golden Boy fight, mm-hmm. correct, for next yeah, week. Um, PBC seems the one that's kind of the unwilling dance partner. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, especially in that welterweight division, there's enough welterweight fighters in that PBC organization where they just fight one another and they're good with that. And so I'm going to tell everybody right now, in our five fights, we do not have Terrence Crawford or Earl Spence Jr. Because Terrence Crawford, we know, is with PBC. No, uh, Terrence uh, Crawford's with uh, Top I'm, Rank. I'm sorry. Terrence Crawford is with Top Rank. Earl Spence Jr. is with PBC. Yeah. And, and so not going to make the cut. Yeah, no. And Crawford had already said he's not willing to take a pay cut to make a fight. So so, so it, there you go. It could be until 2021, maybe 2022. Before we see him fight again. Now they're out of their prime. Now yeah. we're not even sure. So back to our first fight. Oscar Valdez, Miguel Burchell, both from top rank. Check. So that's not a problem. Location, not going to be a problem. They can stay. They can, if we're in the same scenario we are, they stage it at the MGM Grand Bubble. They're both Las Vegas. Miguel Burchell, he's fighting in Mexico City this Saturday, I believe you said, correct? Yeah. No problem with him. We've seen him at the fantasy location. Not a problem. Check. Yeah. Money. Money an issue, Rick. Um, I, for this one, I, I don't believe so. Um, we know these two guys are great fighters. The, the I wouldn't say the average fan, but a lot of people might not know these two names. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, they should, right? Yeah. And that's probably something of some of what's wrong with boxing. And then the last box to check, personality. Are either of these fighters not willing to step up and fight each other? No, I think both of these guys are, you know, they've been talking about this fight for a while now. Um, I think after Valdez's fight with uh, Blue Nose Lopez, Burchelt got in the ring. You know, that, I think before the coronavirus hit, that was the next fight that was going to come. And then now, you know, each of them is getting their own tune-up fight. And then I think it happens in the fall. All right. Last question on this one then. Who wins that fight, Valdez and Miguel Burchelt? I think Burchelt wins this fight. Um... Eighth or ninth round knockout. I think it's just the firepower is going to be too much for Valdez to take. You have it in a knockout. Okay, so here's the thing. WBC has Oscar Valdez ranked number one. WBO mm-hmm. has uh, Oscar Valdez ranked number one. What does any of that matter? I agree with you, Rick. I think M- Miguel Burchelt wins. I think he's big, bigger, stronger. Uh, but I'm not going to underestimate a little bit of Rudy Tomjanovich. Uh-huh. Never underestimate the heart of a champion. We saw what Valdez did against Quigley in, in an absolute war when Valdez, in my ill-advised to take that fight when he mm-hmm. uh, Quigley was, was heavier. Anyways, I'm with you. I think Burchelt wins this fight. No, yeah, yeah, I think I, I think he wins, but I think it's going to be a great fight. 
until it gets stopped. And I think it very well is not going to go the distance. Okay, good. There's fight number one. Again, we've checked all the boxes. No reason why that fight can't take place. Next fight is Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Both top-ranked fighters again. So that's check number one. Location? Location could be an issue, Rick. No, yeah, but I, I think this one, um, Josh Taylor's going to be the A-side. Um, I think the money is going to be to move this fight to England. And and that's why with this one, right, each of these fights kind of has a mm -hmm. different dynamic. So this one, I don't think, uh, let's just get personality out of the way. I don't, I don't think personality is going to matter. I think both of them are guys that absolutely want to fight the best. Agreed? No, agreed. I think uh, both of them are at the top of this division and both want to see who is the top at this division. So the only issue with this one then would be location and money, but you're thinking this one takes place across the pond, right? I think so. I think I, I think Josh Taylor's the A-side. I think he'll get called the shots, and from everything I'm hearing, Jose Ramirez is willing to, to make that journey out there. Okay. So there you go, right? So we're minimizing location and money, and that's kind of interesting, right? Each fight has its own dynamics. This one, the location is the biggest issue. Okay, so the fight takes place, which there's no reason why it shouldn't. Who wins this fight, Rick? I've got Josh Taylor winning this one by decision. Wow. Okay. Yeah. A close fight. It could be a split decision, but I've got Josh Taylor winning by okay. decision. I've got Jose Ramirez, yeah. okay? I'm going to counter you on that. Yeah. I think he's the better boxer. I think he's going to make the better adjustments, okay? Um, excellent fight against Maurice Hooker that a lot mm -hmm. of folks didn't give him a chance. I've got Jose Ramirez. Again, that's why we have this as one of the five fights that we'd like to see. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. You know, Josh Taylor looked great against uh, Pro Gray, so um, this one will be a great fight. All right, next fight. And again, remember, folks that are listening, these are not fantasy fights, okay? These are not, oh, geez, I wish these two guys fought, but in reality, they probably won't, like Terrence Crawford or Neural Spence Jr. The chances of them fighting this year, very minimal, right? I've got as good a chance as fighting these guys, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're talking about fights based on the criteria we've identified that absolutely should take place. That's, yeah, that's the difference. That's the difference with these fights, Rick. So next one. I love this one. I love all of them. Teofimo Lopez and Lomachenko. No, great fight. You know, um, you know, this one has been coming for a while. Um, I think Lopez, uh, after this fight, is probably going to move up and wait. But this fight has to happen by the end of the year or it's probably not going to happen. And I had previously, right, I had their weight as being a factor, not so much with the previous ones, um, and that should probably be a fifth factor because weight is the biggest issue. Okay, so again, two top-ranked fighters, so throw the promotional ties mm -hmm. out the window, right? Not a problem. Personality, they both appear. We know Tufima wants to fight him, yeah. right? And we believe Lomachenko, this could be his staple fight. No, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I really like this fight. I think it... Uh, you know, you've got Lomachenko who has, you know, three of the four belts. Teofimo has one of them. You know, this this is going to be a great fight. And location shouldn't be an issue, right? So let me check all four boxes. Yeah, no. Promotion, you know, not a problem. Location, not an issue. Top rank is going to do all their fights out of Vegas. This one will happen in Vegas. Money. Um, They're going to do pay-per-view. So they'll get their money from the pay-per-view. I think this fight will draw really well on pay-per-view. Unlike... Well, I'm not going to go back to the previous pay-per-view yeah. promotion we were talking about. Yeah. This is one that not only the casual fan, but this is 
everybody's going to watch this fight, right? Yeah. This would fill up the tilted kill. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. yeah. More than likely, it's going to fill up the tilted kill. Um, so weight is the only thing here, right? So that's the only kind of iffy is that, you know, the longer we wait, can Lomachenko hang in there at lightweight? Yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, that is just that's the fifth um, factor here that, you know, when we talked about things. All right. Who wins this fight, Rick? Uh, I got Teofimo Lopez winning this fight. Wow. Um, I think this is going to be. Almost want to say a stoppage, ten or ten or eleven round. You know, I think um, Lomachenko can be hit, and Lopez hits really hard. So this we've got this one and another fight that we're going to get to that to me are toss ups. Mm -hmm. And what this is with all due respect to both fighters. And by the way, this is what we love about them, right? Yeah. Even the first fight, Valdez Burchell. We both said Burchell, but you know, would we be surprised if Valdez no. won the fight? Not at all. Right. Same with Josh Taylor and Jose mm -hmm. Ramirez. I said I want Ramirez. Right. Yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard used to say, if you were a betting man, you're putting money on Marvin Hagler. If you're a fight fan, you're putting money on me. Yeah. Right. I get it. And that's kind of it here. So what am I saying? You know how I'm delaying and picking a winner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what I'm doing here. OK. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Teofimo Lopez. OK. Yeah. I'm going to go with Teofimo Lopez um, because he took a picture with my son. No, yeah. here's the thing, which he did, by the way, extreme gentleman. I think he's fast. I think that the fact that uh, Linares was able to catch and drop Lomachenko, and and I believe that Teofimo Lopez is a faster, better fighter than Jorge Linares at this point in their career. Based on that, only on that, Rick, only on that, I'm going to give the edge to Teofimo Lopez. He has more power than Linares. He catches uh, Teofimo. He catches Lomachenko the way Linares does. I think Teofimo finishes him. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. All right. Wow. I mean, we could talk about that fight for a yeah, whole hour. It's... We we better we better keep going. Yeah, our producers telling me yeah. that we better keep moving here. So, next fight. Okay. Speaking of Lenars, but again, these are fights that are very doable. Ryan, seven million Instagram followers, Garcia versus Jorge Lenares. Okay. Both Golden Boy fighters. So there's the first check mm -hmm. location. I don't think is a problem. Both of them fight locally, although Linares fights in Japan and yeah. fights a lot overseas. He's not going to have an issue fighting in Vegas. Uh, personality, not a problem there. Personality, I think both they've already said they both want to fight each other. They were yeah. going to fight each other. Money is probably the biggest factor in this one. Yeah, money's going to be the issue. Um, I think Linares wants to fight, you know, just to, to have the fight. Where with Garcia, you know, he's got to make sure his money's right. I do think if they do a pay-per-view on this one, you know, they might be able to make up that uh, that difference. Hopefully there's crowds by the fall. You Hopefully know, there's crowds because this is one of those that is there enough fans to to for the pay-per-view for this. Yeah. Um, we start to go from the avid, passionate boxing uh, fan to, well... Yeah, there could be enough 15-year-old girls that want to order that pay-per-view. I was about to say, right, I'm contradicting myself. Seven million followers on yeah. Instagram. We go to the Honda Center, and it is nothing but um, basically more female fans than yeah. males than we've ever seen before. So you know what? I, I stand corrected. You're right. Probably does do well. Probably does do well. And then, you know, the other thing to look out for is if Bob Arum and Top Rank can get that Lomachenko 
Teofimo Lopez fight in Las Vegas at the new Raider Stadium. You know, who's to say a month or two later, they don't decide Ryan Garcia Linares at the same venue. And we saw what Ryan Garcia drew on Valentine's Day. Yeah. On a Friday. Yeah. Right? And we didn't see a lot of dates there, by the way. No. Right? So, I mean, that's an excellent point. So there you go. If money's the only factor, I think we just remove that as an excuse. Uh-huh. So that fight's got to happen. It's got to happen by the end of the year. All right. Who wins that fight, Rick? Uh, I got Ryan Garcia. Um, he's fast. He's got power. And Lenardo's chin is suspect. Yeah, so I'm going to agree with you on that. Even yeah. though you know that I love Jorge Lenardo's, yeah. I love how he boxes when he's – fighting at his weight, and he's prepared mm-hmm. beautiful fights against yeah. Carl Frampton over across the pond, right? I'm not going to discount him. Um, world champion in three divisions, and I'm going to go with Ryan Garcia as well. I think he's the taller fighter. I think he's the quicker fighter. I think he's the most explosive fighter at this point in his career. Tough to go against Ryan Garcia, but another fight, right? If Linares takes him past Six rounds, takes him into yeah. deep waters. How many fights has uh, Ryan Garcia had? That's when it gets interesting. If if, if Linares can withstand the firepower that he's going to get, you know, and get it past the sixth, you know, even we're talking nine, ten rounds, who knows if Ryan Garcia's conditioning can, can hold up. We haven't seen it yet. And that's the key, right? So if you're training for that fight from Linares, you have to – you have to train, and hopefully that you know mm-hmm. that would be their strategy, right? Yeah, and that's saying Ryan Garcia is always in great shape, but you have to. It's hard to tell if he can make it that ten round fight, well, twelve he's, round fight. He's got youth on his side, though, right? Yeah. We were all in great shape at twenty, twenty one years yeah. old, yeah. right? Amazing shape, right? Yeah. Fortunately, you and I have kept that shape. Yeah, oh, definitely, right? You know, and then because we're disciplined. Yeah, pain of discipline or the pain of regret, right? But you know, it's different being in shape and yeah. be able to fight a twelve round fight. That's very know. true. That's very true. All right, one more fight, Rick. One more fight. Last fight we have is Daniel Roman in a rematch versus Murajan Akhmadyelev. That's our fifth fight that we believe should absolutely take place. We take a look at the promotion. Uh, basically both Matchroom, although Daniel Roman is uh, Thompson, Thompson, but, but, but co-promoted, co-promoted by Matchroom. Yeah. Both Matchroom. So that's a check. Okay, so we'll check the promotion box. Location, don't think it matters, right? Yeah, no. Don't think it matters. That that could be a SoCal. That could be a, an East Coast. That could be a, uh, although it'll more than likely be on the West Coast because of Thompson Boxing Promotions. Um, personality, I know Daniel Roman is can't wait to have that fight again. Yeah, and then this one's one... It's a fight fans fight. You know, most average fans may not know these two guys, but fight fans know these two guys, and they they, they watch that first fight. And, and we had to put that in there because, uh, yeah, we love Danny Roman, right? Yeah. We absolutely love and respect the guy. He went into that fight, right? And you could say whatever, maybe the you know he was wasn't counseled correctly, etc. But no rematch clause in that fight. Yeah, very surprising. You know, it, it uh, as a champion, you should always have that. In there. But it also speaks to his character, right? That he's willing to fight anybody, anywhere, anytime to prove he's the best. And I think that, you know, and Murajan uh, Akhmadiyelov after the fight was very graceful in winning and acknowledging mm-hmm. the fact that Danny Roman gave him the opportunity yeah. to fight. So here's the thing, champ. Uh, Akhmadiyelov, return the favor. Show that same character. Show that same integ- integrity for somebody that gave you the opportunity to win that strap. 
No, yeah, definitely. You know, I think just as a man, you know, give him the give him that title shot. And Danny Roman wasn't at a hundred percent even going into that fight. No. And I think that the early rounds, Akhmadyalev uh, was was probably winning, but then towards the middle of the fight, Danny Roman started figuring it out, mm-hmm. and he had something going. And no, so, yeah. so you know, give him a full eight weeks. Give me a healthy yeah. Danny Roman. Again, that's a fight we want to see. Yeah, maybe that's a fighter's fans' fight, if yeah. that makes sense. But that's who we are. Who wins that fight, Rick? I think I can die. After all that said, you know, I knew, and, I, I knew and, you and, would and, turn on Danny and, Roman, and, and I like Danny <laughs> Roman, but. Um, from watching that fight, you know, first four, five rounds, Akhmadayev was just bigger, stronger, and it was a tough fight for Danny Roman. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay, now, I, I okay, so who do I have for that fight? Here's the thing. Am I a betting man or am I a fighting man? Um, I agree. Akhmadayev looked tough. He looked strong. Daniel Roman had some issues up in the middle or in the beginning, and then he figured him out. Here I go, right, trying to talk and trying to figure my way out and delay. I think Akhmadyalev probably beats him again, but I'm telling you, Rick, if this was the Olympics where the, you know, the gold and the silver medal are, are, are the difference is like you know, hundreds, thousands of a second, mm-hmm. I, this is a tough, this is a toss-up for me. Yeah. And so I, I – Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Akhmadyalev. I almost switched yeah. back to Daniel Roman because just – I had a, an opportunity to sit and talk to him for quite a while at the, yeah. at the last Thompson fights, but <sighs> I'm going with Akhmadyalev by a hair. Yeah, you know, I, I, it, it's just tough. You know, I, I think Akhmadyalev, I'm not sure the amount of fights that he's had, but it was a, a, a small amount just because, you know, he was he was in the Olympics and, you know, one of those fighters that is kind of rushed right into that championship fight and he won that fight. I think he'll be more prepared for the next one. Huge um, amateur pedigree, though. Yeah. Rick. So that that was the whole deal there. All right, there you go, folks. All right, last question. Good fights, great topic, great discussion. Which of these do we look back and say that was the epic fight of the year for 2020? And possibly we look back and say that was one of the best fights ever. What do you got, Rick? I like the Miguel Burchelt, Oscar Valdez fight. I think that that one, it's going to be these two guys, their defense, their best defense is their good offense. And, you know, they're going to swing, they're going to swing. And um, I think if as if you want to get fans to watch boxing, this is one you want them to watch. Okay. My feedback is, I totally agree with you, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that is going to be the best fight. I think that, you know, over the last couple of fights, they've been really trying to modify Oscar Valdez into from a puncher to more of a boxer puncher to more of a boxer. Mm-hmm. But at some point, right, it's kind of like you are who you are. Remind yeah. me, I'll tell you the story about the scorpion and the turtle someday. But you are who you are. I think that is going to be a guaranteed slugfest. Because yeah. here's the thing, if we go down... Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez, that has the opportunity of being a great fight too, by the way. That yeah. would have been my second the, choice. Uh, mine as well, and could turn into a boxing match, though. It could turn in. See, the one yeah. that I think could turn into more of a boxing match is Teofimo Lopez and uh-huh. Lomachenko. I think Lomachenko could get on his bike for 12 rounds yeah. and try and administer a boxing lesson. Yeah. 
leaves with the strap, leaves the lightweight division and says, thank you very much, because he has the ability to do that. So that one has the ability to be, I don't want to say a snoozer. If you love boxing, mm -hmm. we would say, boy, what a masterful performance by Lomachenko. Just not exciting. Ryan Garcia and Jorge Linares, that could be over in two rounds. Yeah, you know, it could be. Right? Yeah. And, and, and not very explosive other than from the Ryan Garcia's perspective. The Danny Roman um, fight and Akhmadyalev, that has the opportunity, by the way. I would put that one up at maybe two or three. Oh, yeah. For the real boxing yeah. fans. That has the opportunity. And and I actually think Danny Roman could come out and win that fight. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, do, I do think that fight, though, in particular, it's going to a decision. And so you have to see, you know, how that goes. So, so we're going to get 12 rounds yeah, of, of possibly rounds. equally contested yeah. right where i think burchelt valdez it's going to be a slugfest until that thing ends and it's going to it, it won't make it to 12 it's rounds. guaranteed yeah and yeah. like i said yeah valdez may be adjusting into more of a boxer fighter but they both have one purpose and i think you get them both in the ring mm -hmm. and all of a sudden everything's out the window yeah wow rick great discussion on the five fights i think we covered that folks again tell us what you think did we miss a fight maybe we did Rick, what are some honorable mentions, maybe fights that we didn't make the top five but are very feasible based on the four on the criteria we use? Yeah, um, so I've got three more fights. Um, Arthur Bidabriev and Dimitri Bivol. You know, great fight. Um, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't going to be in the top five. Um, another one I got is Canelo Alvarez against, you know, somebody, hopefully a Triple G, a Billy Joe Saunders. Um, and the last one, a one. Estrada and Chocolatito Gonzalez, you know, that fight, also another good one. That one, right, very easily could have made the top five. Oh, yeah. Because that one, again, the promotions are there, the location, the money, the personalities. Um, that one would – and by the way, of the fights, a couple of fights that we covered, Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez, that is the ring champion against the number one contender. Mm -hmm. Same with Teofimo Lopez and Lomachenko. That is the reigning champion against the number one contender. So whoever wins those fights would be the mythical reigning champion yeah. in that fight. So, no, there's a lot of good fights. Um, and, again, that's ours. Folks, thank you very much. We'll be back with the last segment to talk about what's coming up next week. You don't want to miss this because we got some really good stuff coming up. Thank you. All right, Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado, Pacific Coast Boxing, we're back. Rick, so much good information and topics that we covered. I really can't wait. And just, again, folks, send us an email, counterpunch at pacificcoastboxing.com. You guys are the show. You are the feedback. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Are we on the right track? Are we winning the fight? Are we losing the fight? I don't care if you tell me we're losing the fight. You want to succeed in life? Double your failure rate. That's just the way it works, folks. So you're not going to um, discourage us. No way. So coming up next week, Rick, possibly have another fighter that we've got with a really good story. I think fans are really going to appreciate if we're able to line this up. More will come out on our Instagram page. Instagram, by the way, Pacific Coast Boxing, simple enough. Website is not completely up yet. It's PacificCoastBoxing.com. That'll be up soon. Got a lot of great stuff, a lot of great shirts, hoodies, which there'll be a lot of really good giveaways that are going to be coming up. Big thing we want to talk about next week. And I touched on it, and we could have covered this in our first show, but we had to talk about the Four Kings. Could have talked about it 
on our second or third show, but I cannot overdo Adam Lopez. Again, thank you, Blue Nose, for, for joining us. What's wrong with boxing and how we're going to fix it, okay? Not just here's what we think, not fantasy. These are real tangible solutions. I told you the three biggest issues with boxing. Number one, too many organizations and promotions that don't allow us to see the fights that we want made. Two, the judging is horrendous, okay? I talked earlier about the David Kaminsky fight and Collard where we had the one judge giving four rounds to Kaminsky. Are you kidding me? There's no way. And then, of course, the alphabet soup of fighting, Rick. Regular champion. Super champion. IBF, WBO, WBA, WBC. It's no wonder people aren't following our sport, Rick. There's too many belts. You know, there's the gold champion. There's this champion. It's, it's way too much. Here's the thing, though, and here's the beauty of it. We gave you, like we did earlier, with the five fights that we articulated and broke down. We weren't just spewing information out of our you-know-whats. We gave you the criteria. Is it the promotion? Is it the location? Is it the money? Is it the personality? And or is it the weight? We actually have the remedy to actually fix uh, what's wrong with boxing and we're going to give it to you folks that's the 10 seconds i better finish with the shoe shine to the corner one quick shoe shine rick i had to watch the alexis arguello and aaron Pryor in closed circuit at the sports arena i thought alexis arguello got cheated i'm not sure if there was testing as there is today that that fight would have continued i'm not sure there it is rick end of the round i think i pulled it out with that last shoe shine Folks, subscribe to us at iTunes. Give us a rating. We appreciate that. Love you. Good evening. Buenas noches. We'll talk to you all soon.